The first, excuse me, sacred text is Psalm 4, which can be found on page 464 in the Old Testament section of the Pew Bible. Answer me when I call, O God of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. The second reading is from the book of Luke. Chapter 24, verses 36 through 48. You can find that on page 85 in the New Testament section of our Pew Bible. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And that ends the reading of today's sacred text. Thanks, Lisa. So, um... I want to know first, how, how many of you use Netflix? Netflix. Okay, we've got a few people who use Netflix. Okay. Some who don't know about it, that's fine. That's fine. Um, but, you know, Netflix is one of those online places where you, can, where you can watch different shows and movies and things like that. You can also get DVDs of them sent to your house in some cases, although that's becoming less as more people do things online. But the reason I mentioned Netflix this morning is they've started in the last couple of years to um, produce some of their own movies, some of their own shows. 
uh, and that's the place you would end up seeing them. And they released one on Friday called Come Sunday. Any, any of you heard about this one? Well, Come Sunday. Um, so, it kind of in a weird way, it's going to relate to my sermon, but I was going to tell you about this anyway. Um, it may be something that we watch here in the church as a group and talk about sometime, because it's, a, it's about an a evangelical Pentecostal preacher. His name is Carlton Pearson. Um, and he's the fourth generation pastor, preacher in his family in the uh, evangelical Pentecostal tradition out of the church in God, of God in Christ. Not exactly our church, but that's not the reason I'm telling you all of this. Uh, he's African American. And he, um, he, when he looked at readings like we're looking at today, over time he began to hear different messages from God and, and kind of shift in his thinking. Um, so by about the year 2000, after he had already been in the ministry like 25 years, something like that, he began, it began to come into his preaching. He, by the way, he, uh, he was a graduate of Oral Roberts University and was very closely mentored by Oral Roberts himself. You might have heard of him. And he had a 5,000-person church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay? Not exactly like this church. Um, and it was also known because it was quite mixed between African Americans and, uh, and whites. Um, so, uh, but in the tradition he came out of, he, uh, he was taught, and he, then he began to teach, that if you did not get yourself saved by Jesus Christ, and you did not know Jesus Christ, guess where you're going? You're going to hell. It doesn't matter if it's you, or your father, or your mother, or your uncle, or whatever. You're going to hell. And he began to struggle with this idea um, after 25 years. Um, I think it seeped in gradually into him. And he began to hear and see different things when he would look at scriptures like we see today. Um, and it's a fascinating story. Now, there's a connection to the United Church of Christ, believe it or not, out of this, that appears in the movie. We have a United Church of Christ pastor who's become quite well-known nationally as well, uh, Yvette Flunder. She pastors the City of Refuge uh, United Church of Christ in San Francisco. And she not only came out of the, the Church of God in Christ, but she was consecrated into her ministry by Bishop Carlton Pearson. Um, but Yvette has come a long way. And I know Yvette. She's a wonderful person. And she pastors one of the largest... Uh, and most active and dynamic LGBT predominantly congregations in the country um, and is nationally sought out as a preacher and a speaker and is part of many different discussions. Um, well, Yvette's really good friends with Carlton and has been part of his transformation and part of his journey. So Yvette's in the movie. Well, not Yvette. There's an actress who plays Yvette Flunder. Everybody that thunder in the movie. So there's a UCC kind of connection. 
And uh, they're doing a screening tonight of the movie at City of Refuge Church with Carlton Pearson traveling out there to, to be with the congregation and talk about the movie, um, which is about his journey. He eventually gets put on trial by his fellow um, evangelical Pentecostal leadership bishops uh, from across the country. Uh, and it's a pretty dramatic sort of uh, scene. Um, and he has transformed himself. Well, I'll just tell you to this way. He, he now pastors a Unitarian church. <laughs> okay. Now, I tell you all this to say that as we look at this Easter time and we look at the meaning and our understanding around the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we look at this appearance of Jesus that we have in the scriptures today. Um, one of the questions for us is what we actually think is going on with the resurrection of Jesus. What were we taught to think when we grew up? And are we still on a journey like Carlton Pearson to hear different ways of understanding it, maybe more dynamic ways than we might have been taught? Are we willing to break into the word and hear it in, in a way where we can say, aha, I have it in a new way. Um, I highly recommend come Sunday and uh, I, I, we probably put a little group together to sit here and watch on the big screen and have a conversation. It's a true story about the big questions of Christian faith. And uh, no matter where you start, it's uh, his journey. I think it's a very uh, helpful one for all of us to consider dealing with. And so we come to this, back to this Luke passage that Lisa read. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself, while they were talking about this, you remember the road to Emmaus story? That story ends in the verse before. Okay? Um, so they're talking about that because the companions, these uh, wider disciples who, who walked on the road to Emmaus, who Jesus appears to, they're, they're talking with all the disciples about what their experience was like. So while they're having this conversation and trying to figure it all out, um, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Well, so that's, that's one of the big questions. What is peace? How do we get it? What is Jesus saying to us about peace? We sang that. Did you, could, could you feel it in that opening hymn, Peace I Leave With You, My Friends? I always like that one because by the end, no matter how I started, I feel, I feel the peace. You know, it's one of, those, one of those songs that kind of does that for me. Well, the disciples were not feeling very peaceful. And so, obviously, they're a little rattled by everything that's been happening, right? So they're startled. They're terrified. They saw, thought they were seeing a ghost. It's important to, to image that. Has any of you ever seen a ghost? It's okay if you've seen a ghost. It's fine. You know. um, but uh, can you touch the body of a ghost? Yeah. So they thought they were seeing something otherworldly and untouchable. Um, but he said to them, Why are you frightened? 
And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Now, I think we often hear that like, you know, don't you understand, don't you know all of this? I, I think that's an open-ended question. Let's talk about it. You're already having a conversation. Share with me. What, where's your fear coming from? Where is your doubt coming from? Why is those, are those doubts and those fears arising in your heart right now? He says, look at my hands and my feet. And this is clear, you know, in, in John's Gospel where we get the Doubting Thomas story, he actually says, touch the wounds. But the hands and the feet, clearly, what are they going to think of right away? They're going to think about Jesus on the cross with the wounds in his hands and his feet. So here's the first interesting clue to what this resurrection is about. The wounds don't go away. How many of you were taught? How many of you were taught that on the other side of death it becomes untouchable and all the wounds go away? This is not the Jesus appearing to his disciples. The wounds of the body are still part of the resurrected Christ. See that it's me. It's I myself. Touch me and see. So... I gotta tell you something about touching a little bit here. I have to come out a little bit closer. Um, so yesterday, I hope I'm not revealing anything here. I, I was at Total Wine and More in uh, North Spokane. You know, yes, I drink wine. So, um, and uh, I was actually looking for some sherry, and I was walking toward it, and there was a woman about five paces in front of me, and one of the store people said, can I help you, to that woman, she said, Yes, I'm looking for some cherry. And I said, well, so am I. And he brings us both together and brings us to the cherry, but then he wants us to come over and taste this other one that he's got. And we go over there, and we're standing side by side with this woman, and I'm all of a sudden becoming aware of how um, touch can be an intimidating and misunderstood thing. Because she was really friendly, and I think I was really friendly, but I was really aware that we misunderstood that we maybe were a couple. You know? And I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable. You know the times we live in, the me two times. And um, I surely wasn't going to try and shake her hand even at that point. And so I found myself, this touch is more than actual physical touch, right? It's the kind of connection we send to one another when we're really physically close to one another. And so I was clear that my energy was not going over to her. I didn't even look at her, you know, because I didn't want to be misunderstood. I didn't want her to get uncomfortable, and I didn't want someone else to think of something that wasn't true, right? Um, but that's how personal being in somebody's close personal bubble is, and touch is a part of that, is it not? Have you ever had somebody give you a hug when you really didn't want a hug from them? Or you weren't sure, you didn't know what the energies were, that sort of thing, right? Um, touch is a big part 
want you to feel the personalness of that whole idea about touch. Because this resurrected Jesus can be touched. This resurrected Jesus has wounds that didn't go away. Is this the resurrected Jesus you were taught about? This is a totally different story. You know, one of the images I had when I was thinking about this this week was really the way I know that I was taught. I was taught there's a big separation between this earthly existence and the heavenly existence. And the pictures that have often been in art or put into our minds in, in story and in poetry is not the picture that you could almost imagine that there's a massive curtain somewhere up there. And if I can get to that curtain, I can maybe pull it and hopefully get onto the other side. And when I'm there, I can't touch. Maybe it's a spirit. Maybe it's whatever. There's a lot of ways it's been talked about. But that's not what this story is saying. This story is saying there isn't a big curtain that now that Jesus is resurrected, he's gone to the other side of. He's not just making a little visit from the other side of the curtain. Yes, something has changed. But in that change, he's, he's here with, a, with his body. He can be touched. Now, we could have long conversations, we could do seminars, and they've been done on physically and scientifically how that would happen and what that would mean and all of that sort of thing. Remember, Luke's Gospel is written in the last third of the first century. Jesus lived and walked this earth on the first third. By the time we get to Luke, this is a, a key understanding that the Christian community has of who this Jesus is and what this resurrected Jesus is about. They weren't asked to produce scientific papers proving that they could touch the wounds or anything like that. This is not about that. This is about an understanding that it was so different than any religion or understanding of gods that had ever gone before. This very touchable God, this one that this this one that comes to us and emerges in our midst as a baby. This one that has a divine reflection within each and every single one of us. Now like Carlton Pearson I think for us to get closer to fully embracing what this resurrected Jesus is about, we are going to have to be willing to challenge some of the things we grew up with about who this Jesus is and what's possible and what's going on. We need to be able to come at these stories and see it in a new and a different sort of way. Because, because we haven't always done that very well, 
there's some things in this passage that we haven't done any better than anybody else in the world at. Peace be with you. Peace I leave with you, my friends. But to have that peace, to understand it, to live it, to emanate it from you, we need to understand this full appearance of Jesus. This resurrected Jesus, who, who the peace does not mean the wounds have gone away, whether on Jesus or within ourselves. The peace doesn't mean that we don't get into the, situ- the close situations that always seem a little bit, we're not sure where they're going to go, where close connection and touch is involved. Touch is a very intimate thing. And we've got to figure out how to get an understanding of the sacredness of our bodies back into our understandings of what it means to be a Christian. History of Christianity has been terrible at that, you know. Uh, Any bodily issues that we're dealing with in culture, we tend to be, that's good, that's bad, you know. I'm for that, I'm against that. We need to understand the full human experience of what the body is, how it's been created, and what its possibilities are, and how it can connect us one to another, how it can be part of the process towards peace, and how it carries the wounds. And coming to Jesus doesn't take the wounds away, it transforms how we understand them. So I think coming at this passage and seeing it in this in some new and different ways is important and it's important for um, what I think is one of the main things that Jesus wants out of us for us to become peacemakers in all of our life situations in our families in our in our with our friends in our communities in how we interact with the world to become peacemakers And in order to become peacemakers, there's some things we have to do. When we get this touchable understanding of a resurrected Jesus, we begin to see what we've learned from other places even more, that right down to the tangibleness of our bodies, we see the goodness of all creation. We see the goodness out there and the trees and the oceans and the sky, but we also see it in everybody. The goodness of all creation. And when we see the goodness of all creation, we begin to tear down the privilege that some have over others that separate us. Have you ever noticed it physically happens in a room? If somebody thinks they have the power, how it affects it affects how people position themselves, how they look at each other, how they sit, how they gesture, how they have facial expressions. But this resurrected Jesus doesn't see us that way. He wants to take away all that frightens us and all that makes us doubt that it's possible for us to move through the privilege 
of one over another and to live into the touchable, tangible love that we've been created to live. And then, as part of the peace, I become to see this more and more. We see that relationships between people get prioritized over the tasks that we think we have to accomplish and over our ideologies, our beliefs that hold us together. The relationships are more important than that. The relationships that lead to peace. And as part of it, as part of recognizing that in this following of the resurrected Jesus, that the wounds don't go away, they just get reinterpreted and what their meaning is. Then we have the courage as part of this new focus to do the shadow work in our own lives, to deal with the stuff that is hard to deal with, that we shove off to a corner or try to find a quick fix for or try to make sure it doesn't affect this situation. But we embrace it as the wounds that are part of us and frankly are part of our beauty. And out of all of this, we have a new vision of why we're even here. A vision that doesn't see a big curtain that separates divinity from humanity, heaven from earth, from hell. But we see something emerging all around us in the evolutionary process of creation. A love, a tangible touch, an emerging peace, a new world view that doesn't have all of these separations that we've created over time. I hope this makes some sense to you. Watching the Come Sunday movie made me realize how once we get so locked in in the story we tell ourselves about who God is and who we are in the light of God and what the shoulds are and what the shouldn'ts are, it is really hard to break the shell of that and to see it any different. The invitation from these appearances of Jesus and this particular very personal, touchable one is that this is where the peace really comes from. This is where the fullness of life really comes from. No wonder they killed him. Because just like they put Carlton Pierce on trial, this touchable, transformative, amazing and revolutionary message which is embedded in the beginning of creation but had been forgotten, threatens those who put a story together and have the power to say this is the way it is. So break it open. See it in a new way. We are the peacemakers. 
with the resurrected Jesus. We carry our wounds. We reach out and we touch. And we know that it is possible to have peace in the world. We know that all the different distinctions that have been sold to us to keep people separated from one another are not true. We are part of this one love creation. And Jesus stands in our midst with his hands held open, inviting us to be part of it. Amen.